Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Turned Out of Punk Footnotes. I'm one of your hosts, Damien Abraham, and your other host, as always, is my friend and your friend, too, Chris O'Toole. Chris, how are you doing? Hello, everyone, and welcome to a... Uh, well, special feels weird to say, but like a uh, important episode, a, a poignant episode of Turn Out of Punk Footnotes. Today we're going to be talking about a, a real tragic string that of losses to punk rock and hardcore and metal and alternative music and just music in general that have happened in a really short span. Uh, we're going to be talking about the passing of Andy Gill from the legendary Gang of Four. Uh, Josh Papa from the legendary DRI and also later of Gangrene, Reed Mullen of COC, and Vinny Value, who was in Warzone, No Redeeming Social Value, Gray Area, and Kill Your Idols. So, uh, yeah, really, you know, it, like obviously deaths happen, but four like this, this close together, uh, seems, seems a little, a lot, you know, it seems a lot. Yeah, it's 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 been a rough week. I think um, the, I feel like we did have weeks like that. Well, I don't know when listeners are listening, but we did have weeks like this. I feel like in somewhat recent history, where there seemed to be like these clusters of passings, which were like you know obviously uh, very very saddening for a lot of people and sort of shock. But um, I think also it's just like the. Uh, we're of the age now and i think this broadly termed this like alternative music has aged to the point where now people are actually you know of the age where this is something that can happen obviously people have you know have been passing in this scene or whatever broadly termed for some time but but yeah you're starting to notice more of the you know sort of the legacy acts if dare i say like experiencing this a little more and things of that nature so yeah it's been a rough one it's shocking though how young uh, some of these people are like Vinny Value. I, I I haven't actually seen an age for him, but I assume he's, he's pretty young. And Reed Mullen was only fifty three, and Josh Pappy was only fifty three. Yeah, it's true. Like which again, I, to you and I, certainly is young. I, I agree. But the idea that like, you know, I'm sure to a lot of save and first wave people, which these folks are often identified with or outright from, it's like yeah, to think like morning fifty. 50 some odd year old punks would seem like a thing of like, would they even reach that? You know what I mean? At, at a certain mm -hmm. point would have been a thought before, but uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's certainly tragic because that to me anyway is a very young, um, in some cases we don't know, you know, sort of the causes of, of, of death or what have you. It's not really per particularly important per se. The, the, their passing is, is, you know, paramount, but to the focus, but, um, in general, but yeah, it, it, it's weird. I don't like, there's a lot of people though that have died around that age, uh, you know, large, large names in the past as well. So I don't know if it's just, you know, as you sort of have highlighted in various parts of the show that, you know, there is a toll that the, the lifestyle can take out on people. Maybe that's a factor. Um, I think what's, what's of more sort of, uh, important to focus on is the idea that, the contributions these four individuals specifically, it, it is a fairly wide, mm -hmm. varied range. Mm -hmm. And I think that's important to note that the impact has also been felt sort of in that wide audience, which is nice to kind of see people paying, you know, some, uh, some tributes to. And it, it just goes to show how, 
you know, at a point at this point in history, we are storied enough to look at alternative music in this way, look at metal in this way, punk in this way, whatever you want to say. So, uh, yeah, I, I think these individuals contributed greatly. I mean, so yeah, yeah. You'd be hard pressed to think of two bands that were more important to crossover. You know, what, um, and once again, a lot of people might have different opinions on on uh, the effect of crossover on on punk rock and hardcore, but like. DRI and COC, like those were, are to me, you know, like once again, not living there during the time, but like, uh, you know, those are the crossover bands. The, one of them put out the record crossover. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're the hitters for sure. Definitely the, the, you know, when you first, you know, I don't know, dare I say like, get into this like kind of stuff. They're definitely like two of the hitters oh, yeah. that, you, that are like, you know, the first thing I think if anything in, in, the ages that we are, like, yes, we've experienced COC. I think people a bit older than us really experience COC in, in, in a more tangible way because they might have seen them even before sort of their more, you know, metal-centric years, dare I say. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, absolutely. Like, um, those two groups, you know, you know, extreme well, – all these groups we're discussing that, that the members are passed from are all – you know, incredibly important for a variety of reasons, but certainly those two groups, like that, you know, DRI, I don't know, these, it's just all, these are all absolute essential things. Um, so it's just, you know, and not that we wouldn't pay any, um, any mind for, you know, like we've paid tribute to a lot of people from, who've had lower, you know, quote unquote, lower notoriety or whatever as well, but these are kind of big deal you know, passings in the last week. Yeah, no, I definitely think. And, uh, later on in the show, there's an extensive at times, very free flowing conversation between myself and one David up and Dave Martin, two people that actually, you know, in some capacity, I don't, you know, they both are very clear that they weren't best friends with either of these people, but they, they certainly knew them and, and were friends with them. Uh, but, uh, Dave, David up being friends with Vinnie value and, Dave Martin having run into Reed Mullen and, and kind of befriended him in, in a, you know, fan capacity over the years as well. But that'll be later on in the show. So, um, I thought maybe Chris, you and I could, could, you know, maybe dive in a little bit to really, uh, a legendary guitar player, like a guitar player that really the influence is, is hearable, hearable, audible, audible on many a record today and, uh, and, and Josh Pappy, like a member of DRI and gangrene and a band that we've talked about a little bit DRI so far, but really, you know, an incredible band that, you know, you can talk about the crossover years with them, but you can also talk about the early years with them, the thrash years and the, you know, the Texas stuff and then the San Francisco stuff, but let's, let's dive in Chris. So, um, I guess do you want to talk first about let's talk about Andy Gill and Gang of Four. Are you a, a Gang of Four fan? Oh yeah, absolutely. I, I I'm not a fan in the way I, you know some people are because they're uh, an incredibly important group for people for a variety of reasons. But yeah, certainly like they. I don't you know entertainment is obviously a must for people like us at at a, at a minimum. So. I'm uh, certainly familiar with that record, but yeah, uh, I, I am, but not in a way that I would quantify. I'm a fan like I, you know, with other groups, but yeah, certainly. Um, I, I, I'm a, certainly a fan, uh, <clears throat> excuse me. I certainly a fan myself, uh, a band that I remember getting into with Mike from my band, uh, as we were kind of forming, 
you know, this, this sort of like great starter pack of post-punk bands that you, you, you know, find yourself trying to acquire the records of, they're certainly in there, um, as well. And a band that I think in recent years has gotten their, their due as in terms of musical influence. Also the, the name's been questioned in recent years as well. I should make note of, but, uh, they are a band that the influence just goes on and on and on, you know? And I think, you know, you, you mentioned, you mentioned right off the, the top that they're a band that like, you can't help but be a fan of. Yeah, for sure. Like I, I it's like you just actually said, I, I, I think their do has really come to fore. And well, again, they've been an influential band forever, but I did not see a lot of people say name dropping this group. Um, you know, outside of the last decade, like prominently. Mm -hmm. Um, But now I do notice it a great deal. I I just think that uh, their specific like sonic stylings have come really back in vogue and have influenced a lot of groups in recent years specifically. Um, But, you know, they've always been a a highly influential band, as you mentioned. I think for anybody that's really seeking out this music in a, like an active way you're 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 they're unavoidable you know what i mean absolutely unavoidable and for good reason but i mean they do have a long career um which you know i myself can't say i took the ride for but definitely i'm familiar with sort of those early works that were the the ones of, of primary concern to people like you and i i think yeah and also he had a an amazing run as a producer as well producing you know, tons of, of, of British bands in recent years and going back, you know, right to early, early productions in the, in the eighties as well. So, you know, someone who had a, I think what he produced stuff for Red Hot Chili Peppers too, I'm reading. Huh. So Wow. He, what record? I wonder. Well, that's what like, the, you can, you can hear their influence. Self-titled. Huh. Yeah. Yeah. It, it makes sense. You hear their influence on the Red Hot Chili Peppers. I, I don't know, I guess. I've never, that guitar sound, you know, like that kind of like, you know, maybe it's I, a little funky. I'm not going to refute it. I'm more interested. It said that you also produced the Jesus Lizard here. And Boss That's Hog, wild. dude. Yeah, there's wild. There's uh, Jesus Lizard, The Strangler's Killing Joke, and Fight Like Apes, amongst others, it has in this article I'm reading. But um, I wonder what Jesus Lizard record he did. That's Dude, he produced this. He produced the song in a free world. Oh, that's the Gang of Four song from the Derek Jarman, the last of England soundtrack. Hmm. Uh, but he, yeah, according to this, he did Boss Hog. One of, that's cool. One of the best bands ever, ever, Chris, <laughs> ever. Okay. Ever, enough. ever. He, um, <laughs> uh, he also, I believe was writing for a while for, I want to say the enemy, but maybe it was some other British music paper. Uh, Cause I'm just reading right now in the share. I finished reading, sorry, the Shane Carter book, uh, Shane Carter uh, from the straight jacket fits talks about being interviewed by him at one point in the book and just lamenting the fact that this genius was forced to interview jerks like him. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, it's, a, it's an amazing book. If you want to read a, a great book about music, I can't recommend it enough, but uh, yeah, he's someone, Oh man. Dude, he produced a, a Biz record. Like B-I-S? Yeah, you remember Biz on We Should Oh, record? yeah, yeah, yeah. This is know. fake. This is fake. DIY. Dude, he went from producing a Michael Hutchins record. In 1999, he produced Michael Hutchinson, Boss Hog, The Jesus Lizard, 
uh, and uh, Biz. Wow. Michael Hutchins, I got to point out, though, also played in a punk band, so we can never forget that. <laughs> okay. The Frantic enough. Elevators. The Frantic Elevators have, you know. And he was at the first Sex Pistols show in Manchester. Michael wait. Hutchins, if I'm not mistaken, that's the singer of NXS, right? Or was? Oh, wait. You know what? You're right. I'm confusing it totally with the dude from Simply Red. What was that dude's name again? <laughs> I can't, I can't remember. I was going to say, like, oh, okay, God damn it. I'm sorry. That is crazy disrespectful to the guy from uh, from Simply Red. What's his name now? i got to look it up. If it's nothing like, I, I, it, it is nothing like Michael Hutchinson. People are like, oh, my God, I can't believe you forgot that dude's name. <laughs> okay, regardless. In Excess were a punk band, too, though. Their first single is kind of, wow, new wavy. New wavy. <laughs> I think you're reaching a little on that one, yeah. It's new wavy. It's new wavy. Okay, what's it? Mick Hutnell. Okay, fair enough. Somewhat close. Yeah, sure. somewhat close. Anyway, Michael Hutchinson. Uh, Michael Hut- Hutchins? I might be wrong. I don't know if that... that no, it is, I dude. Think... It, 100% I clicked on it. It's it's that okay. dude. It's that dude. I, I was, I'm amazed that my memory is that good, but okay. I'm not. I'm not amazed at all, Chris, because you have a clean <laughs> memory that hasn't been sullied with the uh, effects of cannabis and... Do you play? Do you play hockey growing up, or or any of that? Type no, of I don't. I don't have many so head, have, head injuries. Yeah, no. See, that's the thing. I got a lot of these head injuries too. So I'm always yeah. going to go with you over my memory. <laughs> um, but yes, more importantly, I I was not aware of Andy Gill's production work. That's impressive. All on top of the fact that, of course, Gang of Four are, you know, legendary. Um, but yeah, so I didn't see what uh, did it say? What age he passed? Try and see uh, Andy Gill? Yeah. He, he was 64. 64. Okay. So a little, a little older, but still young. I mean, all things considered, that's wild. Yeah. It's, it's, it's he's still, you know, obviously a, a young person, you know, in the, in, certainly in the grand scheme of things as well. And in someone who, according to the stories that I was reading, was still working to the day he passed. Like, it seems like this was something that he was battling for a while and, you know, went on tour knowing that this was going to be his last tour. And then even in his hospital bed until the week, until the day he passed, apparently was working on plans for the next gang of four record. Hmm. Wow. That was sad. Yeah. Really sad. Very sad day. Um, with that loss. And then, you know, it, it certainly was an, another shock today when Josh Pappy was also, uh, announced to have passed away as well. Once again, I don't think a, a, you know, as you said, like a cause of death doesn't matter, but I think uh, a lot of the details I don't believe have come out yet as of the time of us recording this thing in terms of if there's any sort of uh, benefit thing or, or things set up in his, his honor. Um, mm-hmm. and, you know, as I'm sure there probably will be for a few of these people. I know Vinny Value certainly does have a GoFundMe, so if you have the ability to contribute to that, please uh, look it up on Google and contribute it to it. Um, but, uh, yeah, so it's still very early on, but Josh Pappy, of course, played in the band DRI and the band Gangrene, uh, two bands that are incredible. Um, he joined DRI in 1984. I, I, have you looked him up to see if he had a pre band? I have it up here now. Um, I'm not seeing anything listed beyond those groups and even oh no i was gonna say yeah it does have even the gang oh, he's 53 it, it, it would, uh, oh we had 53 I'm, I'm sorry i thought i thought we had 54 down 
No, yeah. Um, but no, I don't, I mean, I'm sure there is something uh, as far as what the resource is revealing. I don't see anything. Yeah. But, um, uh, but you know, he plays on, I mean, I, I, to me, probably the most influential DRI record by a mile. Uh, well, the, all the early <laughs> DRI is massively influential, but just that <laughs> crossover record is in particular. He's on Four of a Kind, of course. Also. He's on Violent Pacification, you know, and he's on yeah, the Peace he's Comp. Yeah, Violent Pacification, dealing with it as well. Yeah, on the Peace um, Comp, so... Yeah, so it's it's all the... I mean, not to say DRI's great all the way through, but he's on the most crucial of crucial DRI. Um, and the Gangrene, like, he's not in the era that I can find anyway. He's, it shows here that he's on the live record. 90, yeah. But I don't know, is he on any of the studio stuff before? The resource isn't revealing that. No, but. I think it, might, it makes sense that he joined in like 89 because he's in DRI up to four of a kind. Yeah, up to that point. But either way, again, still cool. Gangrene, hell of a band as well. Also legendary. Has it uh, said anything where he's been doing for the last few years? There's nothing, um, again, back to what you mentioned earlier. There's This one seems to be a little more dare I say like recent, like it's, it's how it both happened in the last day, but there's not a lot of information I'm finding about his passing yet, other than that it has been verified, but, mm-hmm. um, it, it has not, there, there has not been, let's say like a, like a memorial in the way that Andy Gills has been written about. So, uh, I'm sure there is something that will be revealed in, in the coming days that will be a little more thorough. Um, but as far as what we can track down right now, no, I don't see anything about, uh, about recent work or what, what's been going on. Yeah. It looks like he kind of walked away from music after his stint in gangrene in, in 1990. Uh, Roger Murray from agnostic front posted a incredible photo of the two of them hanging out. Must've been around cause for alarm kind of era. Nice. And, uh, and put up some, some sort of like, uh, obituary memorandum type memorandum, sorry, mem- uh, memory. Memorial. Yeah, yeah. Memorial. Sorry to him as well. So you might want to check that out. Um, and, uh, yeah, no, it's, it was, it's, um, it's, it's a real sad day. You know, there's no other way to put it. Um, you know, and there's obviously people go through loss all the time. So, you know, if you're going through loss right now and, and this is something that's compounding it, um, my heart goes out to you as well. Um, it's a real tough time of year for myself. So, you know, these things kind of, kind of compound on the old psyche. So try and stay positive and try and stay, stay up and, and celebrate some great work by some amazing musicians. Uh, Chris, do you have anything else to add? You want? No, that was perfectly stated. I, I co-signed that idea that the one thing that is, is, you know, should be a solace to people is that, yeah, at least we do have these works of art to enjoy. And that's something that, um, I think is, is probably the greatest testament to the memories of these people is to be able to experience their work and the way they would have wanted, uh, you know, people to hear it. Yes, yeah, so you you put the four of them together. You have a, a pretty awesome mixtape through all their bands that they put together. They played on and yep. um, and so yeah. So enjoy their stuff. And here is Dave Martin and uh, David Up, Dave Ackerman, but David Up to us uh, with their memories of Reed Mullen and Vinnie Value. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a special edition of. Turn it a punk footnotes. I am here with David Up and Dave Martin, the Daves. These are the Daves I know. Gentlemen, how are you doing? I'm very well. I'm doing well as as well. 
<laughs> David up and Dave Martin, respectively, that way. Um, but yeah, yeah. It, it is a, uh, I guess, like, first off the bat, I, I guess kind of like a, a, so- a somber reason we're going to start off the show. We're going to talk about some recent passings. But before we get into that, uh, are you guys having a good new year so far? I mean, sure. I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's too early to tell. I got, I uh, had a good conversation at work today that someone said that I was arrogant. Uh, and that I get a new job. Yeah. Seriously fun. at you? Like they were mad at yeah. you? Uh-huh. Wow. But honestly, I make people mad at work all the time. So it's like, it's just fun to get, I haven't been called arrogant. I don't think so. That was, that was a good one. Were you just like, were you like breaking down the discography of like, uh, of like some, you know, mother records band and they're just like, they just try to interject with like imagine dragons. You just shut them down. And they're like, I mean, she just wanted to act like she's one act like she knew a lot about children in adult jails. And I'm like, lady, don't even (laughs) begin. Don't even know New Jersey. What are you talking about? (laughs) You don't even know. Uh, Dave, how about yourself? Mr. Martin? Uh, Yeah, I guess it's also, I think too early to tell, but I'm doing well enough, you know, Okay, well, uh, if I don't call you arrogant by the end of the show, uh, Dave, you're doing better than, uh, you know, <laughs> well, Ackerman over I, here. I, I mean, that's always what I'm striving for. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, that's, you know, and if I, I, and I, I, I can see to both of your, uh, your, your, uh, ma- massive music knowledge. So there's no need for arrogance here. You know, it's already, it's already an ego free zone. Yeah, yeah, it's like Planet Fitness. <laughs> Planet Fitness. Uh, I know what that's like. I, I go there now, and, and it's uh, they played a, uh, Animal and the Snifters the other day. No way. Yeah, I, 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 I hope the fast. TVs were were still showing uh, like Bar Rescue or whatever. It seems like they're like wildest police chases. I feel like those are what I would watch when I'd be at at Planet Fitness. Whenever I get to Planet Fitness, I don't know how to get the sound from the TV into my headphones. So it's always just like I'm watching, you know, some CNN broadcast, but the words coming out of their mouths are that of Colt Cabana interviewing Will Ospreay, the pro wrestler, because it's just, you know, I, I want to listen to what's on the TV, but I can't figure out how to do it. And I'm, you know, I'm, I'm just too much of a, a shrieking wallflower to ask someone at Planet Fitness how to do it. They, they can't judge you. A lot of free plugs here for Planet yeah. Fitness. Really giving yeah. them their, their due on this thing. Uh, yeah, take that, Vans. Yeah, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Well, I wear Vans while I'm there, so oh, yeah. you know I'm really I'm taking all the boxes right now. Uh, but uh, I wanted to get you guys both on the show for for just pleasantries and to catch up and to talk music and to go over your you know best ofs and your worst ofs. But I I think we can't really discuss anything without discussing two recent passings. Actually, I, as we were going to air, I saw potentially someone from the Japanese band Ghoul also may have passed away too. Uh, but I, I got to say for the passing of one Vinny Value and one Reed Mullen, uh, Vinny Value, of course, of uh, New York hardcore drumming legend, played in a, a, a multitude of bands, as we'll get into, and Reed Mullen, of course, being the the iconic one of the great drummers ever, as I'm sure we'll talk about in a second, uh, of COC. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, go on. With Vinny, uh, with, with Reed, COC, you know, from, you know, turn out of punk aficionados will remember that you and I had a very long COC conversation. I want to say in the, was it, 
it was one an, ep- an episode that was it wasn't a neutral milk hotel person who was it it was you uh, and i had a very long COC yeah it was on previously. it was on the episode with uh uh iron and wine iron and wine that's it yeah. um and yeah so people should know huge coc fan and uh you know a real a, a bummer as far as people to lose because just a it wasn't like he was a, a flash in the pan member like he was he was in it the whole time. Yeah, no, I mean, he was like, especially, you know, early on, you know, Mike Dean and Woody Weatherman, uh, always very nice, but they were no Reed Mullen. Like Reed is really the dude who just like had all the connections. Uh, He was the one, he just like, he was the magnet. Uh, Those other guys are a lot harder to know. You know, much much shyer and, and and all that sort of stuff. So was No Core Records his? Uh, I think it was him and other people. But okay. essentially, yeah. Okay, yeah, because I I saw a lot of stuff going around today, which seemed to be you know various kind of uh, uh, No Core Records press releases and things like that, or or just like communication type things that he had signed at the bottom. So I was wondering if that was you know, but I, I guess once again, it's more of a collective type label. Yeah, that's what I always thought it was, but Dave would probably know better than me. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I, I, like, I mean, I think yes, it was his, but I'm sure there were a lot of other hands in there. Mm-hmm. Is is the vibe that I always operated with? It's a, it's an amazingly you know brief run that label has, but like nothing but hitters. Oh yeah, yeah, uh, so good. What, and like wide stretches between releases, like they were doing like one record a year. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> like yeah, yeah. I, I don't want to fuck with quality control. I was just looking at it now, and I was like, because I was gonna say like, how much was really on No Core? I'm like, oh, there was kind of a handful of things on there. Mm-hmm. The humiliation is endless. Tape is one of the most interesting things here because that's like '87. This tape, yeah, uh, is done. It's kind of the last thing put out on the label and it has a Brian Walsby solo song on it. Yeah. Huh. Which, no, I, I, I did not have this tape. I have never seen this tape. Do you I've have this tape? I've never seen it either. No. It's got yeah. actually a bunch of Brian. It's got a Mike Dean solo song. But, but if you look at the styles, these could all be spoken word pieces. These could, could be, be like the, the dead end yob skit on, you know, <laughs> uh, strength through oil or something. Oh. Damn. What a, like, uh, it, like this tape, I gotta get this. T- I gotta hear this tape. I only had the other tape on No Core. Which oh, do you actually have that No Core tape, the first one? Yeah. Damn, look at you f- showing off. Well, I mean, I I consider myself a fan. You yeah. know, I figured. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I've seen an original of this one ever in person. I of, the other of humiliation is endless or No Core? Uh, no Core. All right. Um, well, next time you're in Austin, I'll show you. One. I'm gonna I'm gonna come over and take pictures of the tape and post them on IG. Mm-hmm. The Why Are We Here seven inch comp I found a copy of recently in Toronto in the wild, which was mind blowing to me. But damn, I think I've got most of the other stuff on here. The subculture that didn't come out on no. Nope. I think it, I, I'm if I, I believe it's a co-release uh, with Fart yeah. Blossom. Is that uh, yes, yes, a co-release with Fart Blossom. I guess no court doesn't really have a numbering system, so it doesn't really matter. Because I was like, oh, it doesn't have a catalog number. 
but it does have just the Fart Blossom catalog number. I just want to did mention on why are we here? As far as like, you know, you know, putting talking behind the curtain a little bit. There's definitely things we've all bought just to like fill holes in collections. Like, oh, I have everything by this except for this like one comp appearance kind of things we all buy. Mm-hmm. Um, this was one of those things for me, just for COC reasons. And honestly, it was actually just a straight up good comp all the way through. It is. Yeah, no, it wasn't like a thing good. I just bought to like file away. Like I remember getting it and then like spinning it kind of a lot because it was actually very good. Yeah, like it's weird how underrated this scene is as a hardcore scene. Like, not that it's like, you know, people obviously talk about it in these bands and stuff like that, but like, God, there's like, it's not like a weak band in them on this comp, like in the, you know, the honorable stuff's killer later on. Like, it really is a consistently amazing place for music. And I think COC as a band, like, and especially Reed Mullen as a drummer, is, you know, like for the, for like the, su- the South, I guess for, you know, North Carolina, the South, but oh, yeah. it's the, uh, he's like gotta be the, the, one of the best drummers, right? Like, you know, you think about the West coast, there's tons of like robo and there's all these drummers that kind of get the credit, but like on the East coast, there's not as many, but he's gotta be up there for like the style too. Yeah. And, and, and this isn't like any kind of a slight, but he was like a, just a very solid, like hard rock kind of drummer, even when they were like at their, like more, punky like you know like just they seem like a young angry band they did not have any kind of a slouch as a drummer mm-hmm. and i think you know like just like he helped with along with mike dean make a such a dark record for eye for an eye that just like just always pulled me in yeah they're like i guess it's also probably because they have so many you know it's like one of the most interesting careers out of any band that kind of came out of hardcore, like the fact that they still go on to this day and, and touch so many worlds and evolve. But like, you know, as far as like a hardcore, hardcore band, they've got to be like one of the top, what, 10 bands from that era. I, I would say so. I mean, I, I would, you know, I think I put eye for an eye too high on like my like top 10 hardcore records like mm-hmm. i i really ride for it pretty hard um so i i get it that i'm probably wrong in that situation i mean sure this week everyone's going to agree um but like you know i i i've said it for for a long time like i think i put eye for an eye up there with damaged as far as like super dark angry u.s hardcore records yeah like i don't and, and you know this is sacrilege i know to a lot of people but you know, I think it's more of a definitive document of, you know, what was, wasn't presidency either band, but of COC than damages of Black Flag. I, yeah, I, mean, I don't know. I mean, I, I, it's a hard, I think they were both really snapshots of what was going on with them at that point. Yeah, I don't know, like, maybe I'm alone in this, but I just don't go back to damage as much as I go back to the other stuff. Other hmm. later records with Rollins or records before Rollins, but that I mean, that could just be me. In in the, the I don't want to say twenty twenty because it's it's January, but in, you know in in twenty nineteen or twenty eighteen, if if I were just if you were to go to buy my Black Flag listening as like what is canon, then you would just listen to like the song American Waste and Live eighty four, <laughs> and that's it. probably not like what everyone should be doing. <laughs> that's it. Yeah, no, canon, canon, the canon for Black Flags all over the map now, right? Yeah, 
you know it, what the what and so on. Yeah, it's Mike V. That's the yeah. That's canon now, in the present day. Um, but yeah, like a, a band that uh, you know, I I came late to. You know, a band that I only got into as kind of you know a, someone that already was researching other obscure hardcore bands because to me coc was a metal band mm-hmm. and i was like oh that metal band that of course like i'd see the fringe record i'd see animosity everywhere um you know and i had it and i was like okay yeah i get it but then you know later on of course once you once you start putting the pieces together it, you're like oh shit no this is that's just saying this is the, this is the black flag of of north carolina oh yeah yeah, I, I could. I'll support that. Okay, good. If it, if I had too many fights on this one, I don't know what I'd do. Um. <laughs> I mean, the thing that I think is like what the more popular opinion is that Animosity is really the go-to COC record, and like the same way that we you like we probably have like we can all stand on our laurels that like certain records are better, but it doesn't necessarily mean it's the one you want to listen to more. I, I fully understand that animosity is better, but in general, I'd probably put on an eye for an eye more. But if I'm, it, it, I think I put those two records, like I, I kind of based off what my, my mood is of what I'm going for. Mm-hmm. If I'm, if I'm going, you know, if I'm hitting planet fitness and going for a run, I'm throwing on an eye for an eye. I mean, sorry, I'm throwing an animosity, but if I'm just like sitting there, just like, I, I feel like I feel like I for an eye so much more brooding that if I'm trying to do something active, I'm I'm throwing on animosity. Well, the thing about this band also is there's like a whole crop of fans that look at that Deliverance record as being the definitive record for them, you know, or like it could be a later like they have like almost like they've got like the 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 hardcore era, then the crossover era, then like that southern rock era, like yeah, southern metal yeah. era, and then. I would like whatever the next era would have been for them, I think. But like, those are the three that I kind of think about them existing in. Um, it, it, certainly for those early records, not early, but I guess for the first 10 plus years, I, I want to say friend of the podcast, Matt Jackson said that deliverance is his favorite COC record. I could buy that. I'd buy that for Matt. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. I could see him saying that. Yeah. yeah. Him and I have talked about it. I mean, I, I like I've, I'm sure I've heard Deliverance. I've definitely heard Blind. Um, I don't think I've heard those records since they came out. You know? Yeah. What, I, what's your stance on technocracy, Dave? Do you go that far? I do go that far. Um, you know, I, I mean, I bought that the day it came out. Uh, yeah. I was still fully on board. Uh, you know, obviously, it's it's maybe a little underwhelming. Um, but, you know, it's... Uh, I actually don't own it anymore. I was just thinking about rebuying it, but you know, uh, I, I, I haven't, I haven't spun it in a while. It's definitely good. It's just, if I, it was never what I was, I would listen. I don't know. I should, I should give it a spin again, but yeah, I mean, you know, um, like I saw the ugly Americans live and enjoyed them. Uh, I, but I don't think that Simon Bob Sinister was quite, the right fit you know obviously not i mean you know but but yeah it's just there's something about that record that's just a little um a little lacking maybe cover sick the cover is great did you just go there yelling ugly american songs waiting for them to play them (laughs) 
<laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, they, uh, yeah. Like I, I can also Dave, um, it up. If you're driving your motorcycle, deliverance would be the record to continue with what we were talking about before. Like animosity for the gym, eye for an eye for chilling deliverance yeah. for riding. Oh yeah. Yeah. Your, your long hair in the breeze. You there know. you go. Well, mine would be just like my beard getting in my face. I wouldn't yeah. have to see anything. So, you know, that's why I'll stick to the yeah. first two. You just throw an albatross and yeah, yeah. albatross. Uh, From where I'm sitting right now, I can see a COC Wise Blood sticker uh, that's on one of my seven inch boxes, just because it was a free sticker at the record store, and I liked COC. Yeah, they're that there band. Yeah. They, they like you know. I think the weirdest release in their entire catalog has got to be the split with NOTA. Yeah, yeah. This, I mean, but that's not a thing that anybody really saw. I, I I never saw this until Discogs, really. Yeah, same. It's a French cassette, so it's one you could throw that into your other COC adjacent ca- weird cassettes that no one has. Pile. Why, why do they also have like a weird COC song just like randomly stuck at the end of side? They're like, ah, oh, probably because it wouldn't fit. Yeah, it wouldn't and fit. And then they had just, room at the end there. And it's place it's the cover. It's the cover. I know. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, this is also. Because I feel like I've also gone down this rabbit hole because this is just the NOTA live at Crystal Pistol. Yeah, yeah. Record just on a weird French cassette. Yeah, yeah. And this is also like this is the the you know as good as Discogs is. This is where it's just bullshit because you know it should be othered in some way. It's like just on here like it's an actual album and people are like, oh yeah, like no, this fucking no one ever saw that shit. Yeah, and it's a yeah, it's for- a CBGB's live set. Too, right? I don't know, Dave. It looks like nine people have it. Yeah. So, yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, on a label that has no other releases on Discogs. <laughs> yeah, nothing. Seems pretty legitimate. I guess I think MSAM stands for Lost and Found in French. Just like a <laughs> weird, weird bootleg of sorts. <laughs> it is. It is going to be one of those records that I will one day, you know, I'm going to spend my whole life trying to track this tape down. Just you can throw it on the old want list. It's going to be on. Oh, yeah. wait, wait, let me just. Yeah, click that. Do it. Add it to want list. Oh, and now I got to log in and do all this bullshit. And then you can get those emails you every day. I like, know. Oh, what's the... Yeah. Yeah, what is that? Every fucking day. Oh, five new items in my want list. I got one of those while we since we've been recording. Because I deleted. I just, while sitting here waiting for this to start, I opened up Discogs. I'm like, well, let me clear out all these stupid messages. One's since arrived. Yeah, Come on, guys. What is it? Uh, it's two different copies of the Black Randy LP. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> uh, the machine. The you never know. Because um, one day, I'll, one day, one will come up super cheap, and I'll buy it, or I'll just have like a real moment where I decide today's the day. Can I get that that Black Randy LP? Here it I, comes. I just like tracking the price of the RuPaul first twelve inch as it goes up and down. That's like my. That seems to be my main hobby. Like like some people have stocks. I just uh, fantasy follow buying that RuPaul LP one day. So do you, do you not have one currently just to like see nope. your no, rise I No, it's on my want list and I get a, I get a, like, oh, it's it's always too much like for my for what I'm willing to spend. But it's it's been interesting to watch it rise and fall. It seems like they're, you know, Discogs is the most consistent email I get. Oh yeah, they email me all the time. I just want to know when oh, someone yeah. else puts one of those like 
clear anti-CMX seven inches on, on there and I get like a notification about like a $1,200 record. I'm like, cool. Thanks. I, I got one for trade, Dave. We'll talk after the show. I got that, that no core tape. I'm looking for a no core tape. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, but this was, uh, yeah, like a very shocking loss. There's been some, uh, really wonderful tributes that have been put up to Reed Mullen, someone that certainly touched a lot of people's lives, um, as well. Like he played, he played in no labels too, right. As well. I'm, if I'm not, yeah, yeah, that's right. And, uh, another band that doesn't have very much recorded at all. I believe there's that no core appearance. And the- I mean, th- there's certainly enough. There should be a no labels album. Like, you know, um, probably a, uh, a lot harder to assemble that today than, a few days ago, yeah, uh, you know, but like, there's certainly enough material that would be uh, just an album, and it would probably be great. Yeah, that that's kind of surprising they, that one didn't come out because yeah, they're on per per the Cogs. They have a, eleven different comp appearances. It's weird I mean, I that those are all unique songs, but still, it's weird that Reagan era hardcore didn't do something. You know, like one of those kind of like less than legit labels in that kind of like hardcore bootlegging glory period that was the early 2000s didn't do something with them because they just seem like a band that's ripe for it you know or or a legit reissue would probably be better obviously yeah no way would make a lot of sense yeah no way records would have made a lot of sense to reissue it but um no like yeah it's and also the comps that they're on is very bizarre too they're on that we got the power comp which yeah. is oh one of the great mystic comps of all time. This comp never gets talked of talked about when people talk about like the greatest American hardcore compilations. Oh, I, I, we, I got, don't, we got power. Yeah. 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 I don't know. I, uh, I talk about it. I put this up there, you know, I'd say this is, might be a better track listing than the peace comp. Maybe not. Peace comp's got some no, great no, international no. stuff. Yeah, it might not be, but it's, it's definitely up there. It's a contender. It's okay. This yeah. one has, um, it has a, you know, Daglo Abortion, so we got Canada covered, right? We got the big boys. We got Graven mm-hmm. Image. We got Mech Mench, right? So we got... Yeah, got and Butch, the Tar Babies. T- so Butch Vig is involved in this babies. now. Yeah, Tar Babies. We got the fuck-ups on here. But then we got the most, the coolest thing, third, uh, fourth last track, Pearl Jam. Jeff Ament from Pearl Jam's band. What, Deranged Diction? Yeah, you guys don't know Deranged Diction? No. I mean, I've heard the song crooning. What? I'm dropping this on you guys? Yo, guys, this is, uh, yeah, like, I can't believe this. This is uh, th- this band's super sick. And it's Jeff Ament's band when he was in uh, uh, Missoula, Montana. It might be one of the only hardcore bands that I can think of from Montana. From, like, the first wave. First wave, okay. Um... um no, I mean, truth be oh, told, and, I'm, I'm and not Bruce a huge fan. Weather as well. So, who uh, was also in Green River? Yeah, they moved together to Seattle. That was the story. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, guys, okay, I guess no one's as stoked as, as I am about this. I think it's pretty <laughs> fucking cool. Oh, okay. I'll, 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 I'm going to pull a, uh, pull the record off the shelf and, and rock the Deranged Diction song. Yeah, that's her only. Because I. I I cannot remember it right now. It might be their only vinyl appearance. No, they've got to be on. No, no, no. You click on it. It looks like they had what? Two, 
Well, there's a that tape. There's a, a tape. cassette. Yeah, and, and then a good double logo. CD. That tape, the no art, no cowboys, no rules. Good logo on Deranged Diction. I wonder yeah. what Feedback Records is. Just their one release. <laughs> like, um, it's got to be just one of those dudes putting it out, right? It's got to be one of those. Oh, purchased through Pearl Jam fan club website. Hmm. Pass. <laughs> got to join the Pearl Jam <laughs> fan club. <laughs> Uh, I would join the Pearl Jam fan club to buy this double CD. Really? Yeah, well, like, you don't have to go to the shows. You know? Where do you throw Pearl Jam on your grunge uh, bands? Like, are we are we open to, like, the Melvins and, like, like that full grunge spectrum? No, can... I'm talking, like, K-Rock. Oh, like K-Rock, popular grunge. grunge. Like, yeah, yeah. Like, as far as, like, on, like, you know, what would I want to listen to? Like do you, I mean, are you, where do they go against like Nirvana, Soundgarden, Alice in Chains? Uh, then we can get down to like Screaming Trees or however. I think I'm going to put Nirvana's number one, obviously, out of mm. the ones you're mentioning, and then a big gulf for me, like a big gulf, and then I'd probably have to put probably Pearl Jam. No, no, it, no. His voice is the ultimate deal breaker. His voice is the, a deal breaker. I give you that. But the later records have some good songs on them. I who would know? Okay. <laughs> uh, I mean, but the thing is, I kind of i I don't know if I'd put them at the very bottom. There's some definitely some worse bands. You, you're gonna say out like it's so fucked because like because of the lineage of the band, I can't put them below Alice in Chains. And I, why is that? Because like Alice in Chains is a bunch of like butt rockers that that caught a wave, you know. Uh, whereas like you know, like now there's punk dudes in the band, obviously, like I was Neon Christ Connection. But back then, whereas Pearl Jam, it's like a bunch of punk dudes that decided to play butt rock. <sighs> I don't know. I'll I'll I'll. This is taking I'll a weird I'll, turn already, though. But uh, it's... I did that on purpose just to do that. Um, <laughs> I, I, I will still take the I'll take Allison Chains over Pearl Jam or Soundgarden. Soundgarden? Oh, not Soundgarden. Um, for whatever reason, I'm, uh, at least those you know the first EP and the single. Uh, I still ride for those just a bit. I um, I know I should like them more just because I like Led Zeppelin, but I just I'd rather just listen to Led Zeppelin. No, I mean, it's, it's, yeah, no, that's goofy. I, it's nothing, no comparison. I like, I, I like I Center think... of Disease Control Boys, and I do like Identity Crisis. So I will say Soundgarden, but but uh, I still I'm going to pick uh, Direct Diction and Green River over. Uh, uh, th- no, no, you don't get to include those bands. Yeah, I do. Direct <laughs> no, Diction, sorry, Direct Diction. Yeah, you do. That's that's Dave. If I didn't do that, that's how I govern my life. It's like, oh, they were in a cool band back in the day. Okay, I oh, understand oh, that. I see. Which I I thought you, but I thought you were including them in the. No, 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 no. Okay, yeah. no, it's okay. You can, yeah. yeah. Hey, my favorite grunge band is the Farts. Yeah, like, yeah. yeah. My favorite grunge band is the Fastbacks. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, because like if you know, but then if you open it up, of course, like once you allow Mud Honey in, obviously we know who number. Oh yeah, is. yeah. And then, you know, Melvin's and like all that. There's like a lot of stuff there. But like, yeah, like I don't, I don't have a lot of nostalgia for that, for the big bands of that era. Like, I, I, the opposite of nostalgia is yeah. what I have. 
Like, yeah. could you imagine, like, just like imagine being like, yo, let's throw in a fucking Smashing Pumpkins record. Never. Um, I've never you, known that. Never. They, I, still, I still count them as my most hated band of all time. Most hated band yeah. of all time? Yeah. Zero, oh, yeah. Zero tracks. Uh, yeah, I, negative tracks. See, once again, because of the fact that there is the connection to the band The Feds from Chicago, not to be confused with the other Feds from Chicago, and because, which is a, the pre-poster children band with James Eha, and because Billy Corgan's connection to pro wrestling, I can't say they're the worst band in the world. Whereas, like, Nickelback, I can't find anything redeeming about Nickelback. So. No, that, that doesn't even enter into, like, the Smashing Pumpkins have, have shoehorned their way into my life since, since they became a band. Whereas, like, Nickelback, that means nothing to me. Like, when would I ever encounter that? Like, yeah. if we were in a supermarket and you'd be like, this is Nickelback, I'd be like, if you say so. <laughs> like I have no idea, but yeah, you have mu- you have mutual friends and friends that are bands with members of Smashing Pumpkins, whereas yeah. no one in Nickelback. Yeah, I once made fun of James Eha to some friends of mine, and they were like, "Oh, he's our friend." Yeah, yeah. and I was like, "Oh, fuck!" Yeah, Swan ruined everyone. Oh well, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I didn't even get there yet. Yeah. <laughs> Would you prefer to listen to Smashing Pumpkins or Swan? Zwan. Zwan. Definitely Zwan. Yeah. I forgot about the existence of Zwan. Not Billy Corgan, didn't he? tweeted about their I think anniversary. Everybody the wants to. No, Billy Corgan was like, it's the 15th anniversary of the Zwan record the other day. <laughs> okay. Like, this is uh, the Zwan record to me is an incredible, important record in, in my obsessive need to connect every piece of music to one another because that record allows me to connect Yola Tango to the Smashing Pumpkins. Right? Well, sure. I mean, but Doctor, yeah, through the Doctor Janet seven inch, Doctor Janet, yeah. You know, we can connect, we can connect a lot of stuff through that record. So I'm, I'm really grateful to Billy Corgan for that. Actually, to be honest with you, oh god, that's <laughs> like we can connect, we can connect Dwid uh, from Integrity to Hole because of Zwan. You know, maybe uh, he could join Hole. He, uh, yeah, that would be incredible, dude. That would be. You're making my. I mean. Out. Hole's already connected to Motley Crue. I mean, it, they already have enough like funny stuff. Hole's connected to a band I saw at Allegiant Hall in my town. Um, what's that? Wait, wait, what's that? Shift, shift. Oh, who is? What's the shift connection? Oh, wasn't wasn't that Sam? Didn't she play drums in Hole? Like at one of the like the final lineups? Oh, maybe you're right. Like when it was like, like MK yeah, to like after like I can't think of what like the when I wake up in my makeup. Uh, like that celebrity skin after yeah celebrity skin. I think she played on that played on and, that uh, no no because that record anyway this is a now we've got really distracted <laughs> we are we are way that way was, out of town this right wasn't now. my intention yeah no no it never is Dave it never yeah. is um, okay well let's uh, move back to awkwardly transitioning to talk about something else uh, I think it's close to home certainly with people that we all know as well which is the passing of Vinnie Value, who played in unbelievable lists of, of bands, you know, tons of bands I have records of. Um, I believe I met him briefly once years ago when Fucked Up Play with Kill Your Idols, uh, but unfortunately I did not get to know him, but someone that certainly had a major impact on 
many people in, all, I guess, all out of our lives. But Dave, I, David, up. I believe you did know Vinny a little bit, right? Yeah, as as I said off air, like uh, I, it would feel like stolen valor if I tried to act like him and I were like super close. I mean, I would say what's up to him when I saw him. Um, uh, friends of mine, like close friends of mine, were all very close to them. Uh, yeah, like post tear it up. Andy did a band called Forward to Death, and Forward to Death played with Killer Idols all the time. And you know, like my Brian, who was also in a bit, Brian from Nightbirds, who was also in a band with him. Um, he was in Forward to Death, so like two very good friends of mine spent a lot of time with him, and I know this is something that hit them pretty hard. I have a lot of friends in Long Island that hit them pretty hard. And just looking at um, Vinny's legacy, I, I don't think that I ever saw skinheads still scare people. Um, I weirdly I have a bunch of skinheads. Well, I guess I have just two, but I still have, I, I don't know even where I acquired them, but skinheads still scare people records. It, I, I got to go back and spin them again. I don't know how much they played live, but I saw I saw Viniero Warzone. I saw No Redeeming Social Value, Gray Area, and Kelly Riddles, you know, a whole bunch. Um, yeah, so, I mean, and he was always, like, like War, Kelly Riddles, you know, like in a, a Spinal Taps kind of situation. They had a, they've had a fair amount of drummers throughout their run. Um, but Vinny was, you know, not even just saying this, Vinny was, you know, had a, had a big personality and just was a real good fit for those guys. And was mm-hmm. just like, you know, a, a guy who'd been around the scene a long time and, you know, you know, but just was, was pretty outgoing and pretty friendly just from, from jump. So, I mean, I, I, I didn't, I definitely didn't really know him prior to him being in Killer Riddles, but, um, you know, but he was, he was, you know, just, but just judging by the amount of people I know, uh, that were really touched by it, it, you know, it makes me seem that this is like my little interactions with him were, were not not atypical that he was he meant a lot to a lot of people yeah like not that you can always tell this when someone passes but like the the, the number of people that just were really shaken to their core by his passing um lends credence to what you're saying that he's someone that touched a lot of people's lives you know like someone that that uh you know like left a, a really positive impression on a lot of people and someone whose loss is is affected a lot of people including um he has left behind two children um, as well. And so there is a Vinny value, uh, GoFundMe page, which has been set up. So if you look up just Vinny value, GoFundMe, and if you have any money that you can spare, uh, it would go a long way to, to help out his family in this time. So, uh, yeah, rest in peace to, to two, two amazing East coast drummers, two, two, you know, obviously very different eras and, and different places in hardcore, but two drummers that, that had a massive impact on this music and, and the culture. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, I guess, uh, there's no way to now awkwardly transition into other stuff to talk about, but I guess that's what we have to do now. Um, gentlemen, I, I, before, I guess before we move on to, to other things, did you want to add anything, uh, either of you? Uh, I would be curious, did, did no redeeming social value make it their way to Canada? No, I don't think they could ever fucking cross a border. Yeah. I mean, I, they, I'm sure they went, they, probably went to europe they did go to europe because you know who sang with them in europe i don't my 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 good boy my 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 good homie uh sang for them on their their tour over there kevin gill and he is Mm -hmm. the hardcore connection to the insane clown posse that i bring up all the time Ah, gotcha gotcha so no i saw i saw them at like the cbs and the wetlands but 
Those shows must have been wild. Yeah, I mean, well, they weren't like scary because they were like such a they were a fun band. Yeah, but I mean, just like so. the fans would have been. I don't know. I'm just judging this entirely based on the New York hardcore documentary. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Is, a good a good way to base a, a good base for everything. That thing was a real eye opener as a kid. Just like sitting mm-hmm. there, literally with my eyes as big as saucers, jaw to the floor, watching this New York hardcore thing. A uh, a classic, a classic movie. I like. And, and I believe Vinny's actually in it, right? He is, yeah. And, and it has, like, I believe he actually speaks in it and actually has, like, a presence in that movie as well, if I'm not mistaken. I got to rewatch it. I haven't seen it in quite a while. Uh, he also uh, apparently has a writing credit on a shutdown song. That makes sense. On, uh, we won't forget off the uh, Against All Odds CD. Shutdown was definitely a band that made to Canada. I don't know if I ever. <laughs> talk to you about the effect of shutdown on the city but uh put it this way i still have a shutdown windbreaker in my house wasn't mine it was given to me but but there is a shutdown windbreaker in my house and i think it's because there are probably no exaggeration at least a dozen shutdown windbreakers in toronto because of their impact on the city are people still wearing them i might wear by tomorrow dave to be honest with you okay good I i don't know uh I gotta dig it out, uh, but the Windbreaker era was a an era in hardcore that gave us a lot of fashion that that I don't know is ever getting brought out of the closet for a lot of people. There's there hasn't been fucked up Windbreakers, right? No, no. There was no. there was yes. a fucked there was a fucked up gas station jacket that Jace <laughs> Kilvo, our roadie in England, made for all of us. He's like, I made us crew jackets, and we're like, none of us are ever gonna wear that. <laughs> So we have, there's, I have, I'm looking at it on my wall right now. It's behind my integrity, uh, champion jacket, but there's yeah. gas station jackets were a good, uh, time piece. It was like a very, like way after the fact, you know, like this is like in 2006, this dude's making them. Yeah. Like we're I'm talking, sure they were real, yeah, when real I come cheap ar- at that point. Yeah. When I come around era, uh, green day, <laughs> that's when the, that's when that fashion was really hidden. That's when that look took, but did Tear It Up ever make windbreakers? No. What was the word uh, merch you guys? Do you guys ever make sweatshirts? Yeah. You made sweatshirts? Uh, I mean, not not in like we made crew neck sweatshirts for the like the the second West Coast tour. Um, crew neck sweatshirts. Yeah. Damn, you're ahead of the trend on that one. Oh, I try. Um, I but I also worked at a print shop. Yeah, I know. That's what so, I was going to say. Like, you really didn't take advantage of it. Like, could you imagine if you had applied? a Woj level of merchandise awareness to tear it up, given your uh, access to resources. The thing is, um, I, like I, I, someone who's printed more than their share of jackets, it sucks. Yeah. Um, so I wouldn't want to have to be like, okay, now I'm off the clock from printing jackets. Now I'm going to print jackets for fun off the clock. Like, I don't want to do that. Um, so yeah, I think, and also, from someone who grew up in the, the, the shutdown jacket era of, of New York, um, in 2000, I wasn't trying to bring that back. No, no, it would have so, been a really rough look. Like, like who was the, I guess it was kind of cold world that really made it acceptable to really hardcore merchandise. Yeah. I mean, you could, you can say that, I mean, tear it up had a lot of different shirts 
but it's because I worked at a print shop. Yeah. And it was um, never like, it wasn't like you guys were doing like, like crazy one off limited. Well, you probably were, but like not. But no one cared. So it didn't matter. That was well, just it wasn't like, marketed we'll make, as such. Yeah. Like, oh, we'll make 30 of this one because that's what we need for this, this time. <laughs> show. This one yeah. show. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, there's a there's a there is an odd number of like tear it off like one and two off shirts, um, but those are like jokes. And I did do sweatshirts, like there was one sweatshirt of almost of a handful of tear it up designs, like one just can't stand it sweatshirt, and you know, like that I just like made for myself and then gave away when because at a certain point someone asked me about it and like, well. It's my own band, so I don't really need to wear this sweatshirt. So here you go. Like I, I gave, I gave two different one-off teared up sweatshirts to a dude in Voorhees because I gave him one, and then he <laughs> ripped it. And then the next time, when the horror came through, he told me that that one got ripped. So I just gave him a different one-off teared up sweatshirt. Um, I, I hope he took care of that one. Yeah, I, I hope he has it still. Um, but yeah, I mean. We didn't make any like real oddball merch, like as far as like atypical garments. I think we really just stuck with t-shirts, long sleeve t-shirts, and some sweatshirts. Oh, there's also like a dozen zip up sweatshirts, or like maybe less, that were like crew, like friend sweatshirts that I also don't have one of because I I lived it, so I don't I don't need it. But, um, but yeah, we didn't, we didn't make jackets or like basketball jerseys or any of that shit. Yo, basketball jerseys. That's the look. That's the look to bring back today. Gun to my head. I'll print two dozen jackets over six basketball jerseys. (laughs) That was such an amazing period of hardcore, the basketball jersey era. It was like here's the thing. Here's the thing. I don't know that that era is gone. You're right. It kind of just that era never goes away. You're right. It just it just like it just dies down or becomes cool to a different segment or the, maybe it's the same segment that it retains its coolness with is probably the better way of putting it. But yeah, I I think in the in the, like the 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 world of like beat down and things like that, like that's still like a thing. Yeah, you know, like it crossed if, if over go though. To, like there were like jerseys for like. Like every band, like there were, like I remember, like I, I had like a whole NBA worth of jerseys for bands at one point. It was just yeah. like one summer too. Yeah, I mean, they, they were, there were a lot of them. And there I, a lot. Uh, I don't think I ever made a, a tank top. That was another thing that, that was like literally the wave directly after tear it up was so, tank top. So Damien, if fucked up were to, we're a basketball team. I mean, you're obviously the center, right? <laughs> you, Dave, you're going to lose me very quickly with the sports talk, but yes. The, 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 is that the goalie? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yes. I yeah. actually, I played on my under 13 basketball team, but I only went joined the team because I heard there was a trip to Vancouver in it. And was I went it? on the trip to Vancouver. And, yeah. And uh, it was a great trip. I got to go to a hockey game and I've never been to another hockey game. So, you know, I did a lot of sports. I did a lot of sports. Have I been to more hockey games than you? Dude, I've been to one. I've never seen the Toronto Maple Leafs play. But I've seen, I've seen the, the Rangers 
three times, I think. Yeah, but like going to the Rangers in in a you know, it's probably pretty easy to get a ticket. Trying to get a Maple Leafs ticket here, they're like like a thousand bucks starting. Yeah, I mean, one time, one of those like Danzig shows where he was gonna play Misfit songs. Yeah, um, we got to the show too early, so we just went to go watch the Rangers play, and then we went back and saw Danzig. Yeah, I remember one time we were in Pens- we were in Pittsburgh, and everyone in the band was like, "Oh, let's go see the Penguins play," and they just like went and bought tickets and went and saw the Penguins. But I just sat in a pizza parlor by myself instead because. <laughs> Like, I can't imagine, like, like it's cold in there. There's, like, hockey fans all around you. and That is true. That and there's is, nothing else to do true. but watch hockey. I mean, what else are you, you going to do? Just go across 200 bridges or whatever else one would do in Pittsburgh? Uh, if I were in Pittsburgh, I would be uh, trying to eat one of those sandwiches that have French fries and coleslaw on them. You know what I'm talking about, Dave. I, I do know what you're talking about. Uh, I'd be crushing one of those. Yeah, and trying to find, uh, trying to find some uh, Hank. Uh, what are they called? The band that was Hank Band singles. Hank Band singles. More of Hank Band singles. Dave, I assume you've been to a, a hockey game or two. I have, yes. and probably more importantly, um, uh, I did work on that uh, Jean Claude Van Damme uh, hockey movie as well for just a little bit. What'd but you do on it? I tried to get extras there. Um, it's a long story, but they needed a lot of extras to fill <laughs> fill the arena. Well, so, they can't even get them to fill up the Rangers. How are they going to get to fill it up for a fake team? Well, see, the thing is, that was the year that the uh, there was the strike. Oh yeah. So originally, they were just going to film some actual Penguins games, but then there was a strike, and um, and they didn't, and then they had to, you know, then they they hired like minor league hockey players to play and and then they had like cardboard cutouts of a lot of people in the stands really yeah yeah did you have to sit in the stands too was it like that bad they're like okay even though you're crew you got to be in the stands too no no i was basically trying to call people and get them there and then trying to process like to get them there i think we promised they promised that uh they would pay them that night like you didn't even have to wait for a check in the mail. You would get paid at the end of the night. Yeah, I was I was yeah. an extra one time on an Avril Levine or no, on a Trouble Charger video, and they paid us as we were leaving, and it was awesome. Because you know I'm not even in yeah. the video, and I still got the money. Yeah, yeah. It was. I got to do more work like that. Just extra work. Yeah. You still in that racket, work. Dave? Can you get me some gigs? <laughs> I'm yeah. not, unfortunately. I wish I should be, maybe. Tell, uh, we've got David up on Van the line. Damme, tell him I'm looking to be an extra. We've got David up on the line, and we've got Dave from Sudden Death, uh, the <laughs> film, uh, <laughs> online as well. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yo, next time you see him, let him know that I'm, I'm, I, want to, I want to be in his movies. Okay. Uh, next time he's doing one. Uh, yeah, like, I, I, I've been to some other sporting events. Like, I've been to, like, baseball, and I've even been to an NFL game. They had an NFL game here where the, I think it was the Patriots against the Cleveland Browns. I went to that. Wow. And oh, uh, so I've never been to an NFL game or or an NBA game. I've been to NBA games too. See, so there you go. I'm I'm more of a jock than you are. I've been to a WNBA game. I've never been to a WNBA game. Uh, well, I don't think we have one in Toronto. We don't have a WNBA team in Toronto. 
for the rap. Once again, that's another thing that if you decide you want to do that, I believe you you could just walk up and buy tickets and go in. That's like I I definitely don't remember planning going to my WNBA game. That's like the Argonauts. That's like our Canadian football league team. Like it's really easy to get tickets. Really, I yeah. I thought that I thought that was huge. Really? Are you joking? No. Oh no no it's not like it was it was like there was like a moment where like one year John Candy Wayne Gretzky and that guy that used to own the LA Kings that bought like the most expensive baseball card ever like the the three of them bought the Toronto Argonauts right and I'm sure with like a bunch of other people but then it was like the coolest thing and they they hired that guy Rocket Ishmael from I believe it was at Notre Dame and he was like he, he won the Heisman trophy that year and he was gonna go number one in the draft and then all of a sudden he got stolen away from the NFL and people were like, That's it, the NFL's fucking over. Move over the Canadian Football League's here to stay. And that lasted like three months. And that was it. <laughs> it was over. It was no one cared. No one cared. And then John Candy died and it was it was really over. Um and wow. then the guy that owned the baseball card got done for uh for some sort of fraud because of uh, coin collecting. So it got real dark for the Argonauts. A real. I like that you just talk about how he owns it. Was it like a, a Honus Wagner? Like it was a Honus Wagner card, yeah. Okay, okay. Okay. They were the guys that bought it. Don't you remember that? No, I have no idea. Truth <laughs> be told, I don't know a ton about the Argonauts. <laughs> well, that, that, yeah. not, Dave, we're talking about <laughs> baseball <laughs> collecting. Someone, someone here didn't read Beckett. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm just a big fan of, of the famous, bringing it all back to Pittsburgh, Honus Wagner. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was reading the other day on online that uh, baseball cards apparently are the new Bitcoin. Like, sports cards are the new Bitcoin. That, that can't be true. I swear to you, I swear to you. And apparently some card just sold for $200,000. Okay, I'm going to look it up right now. Like... Like a new card, like some card that's like someone just made sold for like two hundred thousand dollars. You've got the wrong number to tear it up on this one. Or, uh, <laughs> yeah, I I'm... Do. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna find it. It's like the mo- most mind blowing thing I've ever seen. It's like, uh, of course, now I can't find it. Okay, allegedly, it went for like a hundred thousand, two hundred thousand dollars, if I remember correctly. But that's wild. Yeah. Like, if they're back, I'm in the wrong game. I'm going to sell all these records and just start buying. Uh, oh, here it is. Yeah. Uh, this card for this guy, uh, if you guys know this dude's name, uh, it's the National Treasures card of Luca Donkick. Sure. And, and it's a 9.5 rated card, and it sold for $237,000. And the cards from 2018 to 2019. Well, my boy Honus, that one, according to this internet website, says 2.8 million. Dude, but this card came out like last year. Yeah. Like, but but like you know, if this if this holds its value, it's going to be the, this baseball card might just be like an R and R tour press though. It's going to be the R and R tour press of. <laughs> 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 oh yeah! Oh, I held on to that stock too long, Dave. We all watched yeah. that. We all watched that peak and and then plummet. Dave, Dave Martin, you were probably not from privy to that joke, but that was yeah, an not. LP that uh, when that tour was still going. Yeah, it was worth. A, it was like eBaying for like a hundred bucks, like two hundred dollars. Yeah, it was going for ridiculous money. 
and and then you 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 couldn't give those records away. <laughs> like they weren't they're not worth the shipping weight. Like one month later, it was wild to watch the bottom fall out of that market. It was just I never had one because I saw them at the end of the tour, and I think they didn't have them anymore. Um, but that's fine. Who was that band, Dave, uh, Dave Martin? You probably remember this band. Who was the band that was be like? They they were like they had a song about Scarlett Johansson, and they were on Beggars. Um, remember that? And it was like kind of French, vaguely teenagers. French. Teenagers, that was it. They they had like the same sort of thing in where they got booked to play Toronto, and it sold out. The show was packed, and they came back and they booked him into a bigger venue, and by the time. They showed up to play that show. They were like giving away tickets on the street. Oh the yeah! It's like here, please come in, please come in. The bottom yeah, is no, falling no. out of this. They're... Yeah, they have a song called "Scar Starlet Johansson." Starlet Johansson. That was it. Yeah. I yeah. wonder if that stuff's ever going to come back. There's going to be like a. There's got to be at some point, right? Um, <laughs> In early two thousands Renaissance. I um, I don't I can't even imagine. I mean, you know, this is a record that I worked on, um, and me. You're the first person to mention it. I think <laughs> since <laughs> since it came out. Uh, yeah, but there's I mean, a lot. <laughs> there's there's two thousands music that like like all that like kind of like emo pop punk, like just like radio fodder kind of stuff. I, I mean, as far as at least through Austin, I feel like that stuff kind of comes through here on like its 20 year anniversary tour and its 15 year anniversary tour. Um, and people, people go for, I think that's like a get a sitter. We're going to go out to this thing kind of thing event, but there's not, I mean, teenagers, you mean what my wife and I are doing tomorrow night. <laughs> you just, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you, Dave, but Who you uh, go what are you doing tomorrow, tomorrow night? night? Uh, oh, wait, no, uh, two nights from now, we're going to go see hot water music. <laughs> On the twentieth anniversary of a record tour. No, Hot Water Music at least is like that. I mean, it's it's not like you're going to see like Bayside. No, exactly. No, it's totally different. But I don't. I I really don't think that music's truly come back yet. Which one, Bayside or Hot Water Music? Bayside. Okay. But you know, I think that stuff's about to. You know, that stuff's still got a its second act. You know, it's it's got to have that moment where like Bayside. Uh, the Bayside reissue gets reviewed on Pitchfork, and all of a sudden now it's got like a an eight point four, and it's like talking about what an incredibly important record it was, and just like what a seismic shift it was when it came out. And you're like, what is what that record? And that's that's how you know it's begun. Yeah, I I will probably be busy that day. That's when you can say you were into it the first time around, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> We played. I don't think we played with bass. We played with some funny band. Yeah, mi- um, Midtown, right? No, no. I mean, I knew that dude from Midtown because he was just like at hardcore shows. Um, it might have been bass. We played with my chemical we romance. Played brand, we played with brand new. Oh, okay, yep. Just by like tours, also being in the same place, kind of thing. Did, and we they, played they, with some other kind of just like that kind of band on equal vision i want to say um that was just like in like new mexico or something like that just also total luck of the draw our bands coming through at the same time it it kind of like crossed over a little bit but like 
Not as much. I'm trying to think of like if there were any of those bands that did have people from hardcore bands playing them. I guess first lineup of Saves the Day did, right? It was the, yeah, correct. And Sean. I'm trying to think of like other bands that had Newfound Glory. Newfound Glory, obviously, yep, definitely. Uh, what was and the I think for? that's where that's where it ends. I think. Yeah, you're right because it almost was like parallel scenes, but but not a lot of crossover between the two. Oh wait, wait, Follow Boy. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Follow Boy definitely, and Yellow Card too apparently. Um, as really well, if you listen to the Chris Carabba episode, which apparently someone has not. They- <laughs> no, I did, but I, 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 uh, I was teased there was going to be a lot of ass suck talk, but then it was no, just like point. you, you mentioned it about once. I feel like that was a real, that was a real. Uh, like red herring, like oh yeah, asset ah. comes up. You bring it up, of course. You think he's bringing it up? I'm trying to force into the conversation. <laughs> um, uh, Paul Hanley, uh, famous uh, Morris County Youth Crew member, uh, worked for uh, he, he worked for Capital, I want to say. So he uh, was like working with yellow card for a while. So that's, that might be the only reason I really like know who they are is because my friend Paul worked for yellow card for a while. It's, it's wild. Like what you're talking about earlier about this stuff coming back. So yellow card, uh, is involved in a massive lawsuit with that artist juice world who died, uh, yeah. Ago yeah. because of he, sampled one of their songs or somehow uh, like no they they're saying that he copied. just stole the melody yeah I sorry think. that's why i was trying yeah i guess sampled yeah. the melody in his by stealing it in their depends who version <laughs> you believe i um, mean did you did you ab them pardon me did you listen to them back to back i did there was like a youtube video where you could listen to them right side by side type thing uh, and yeah i just, i don't know tenuous at best yeah yeah, oh. uh, I, I feel like the Venn diagram of Yellow Card and Juice World is not a big uh, Venn diagram. Well, I'm sure like Juice World would have been growing up listening to that stuff. Like that's what I'm saying. Like Probably, it's funny yeah. how that stuff being the radio rock of the time. It's like it's it's it, it's the the way that's showing up now, and you've got this sort of like rise of like emo hip hop or emo rap, yeah, or emo trap as as was referred to on on the Wicca phase episode, but like juice world, I guess being, you know, one of the bigger artists like that, like Holden was listening to the other day, it like my eldest child. And, and I walked by and I'm like, what are you listening to? Like, this is, sounds like emo music. He's like, Oh, it's juice world. It's, it's, it's very, uh, I don't know. It's, it's bizarre how, yeah, we're now seeing like this wave of pop punk emo radio rock just become part of the zeitgeist. Yeah, as a, as a father, how does that feel, dude? As long as it's not Old Town Road for the twelfth million times, I'm very happy. <laughs> I, I, you know, what? I'm I, I'm lying. I can't, I'm not sick of that song at all. I fucking love that song. Like every time they put it on, I'm like, okay, one more time, Lauren's like, please take it off, please take it off. I'm like, no, no, it's fine, it's fine. Like I, there, there's stuff they like that it's way more offensive to me than that. Like, oh. Some of the stuff they wanted to listen to, like, like, uh, Blippy or, or like, like real kids music, kids music. Oh, I will take like that troll soundtrack. I will take, I will take Old Town Road a, a million times before I have to listen to the fucking troll soundtrack again. 
Got to keep my voice down. I don't want them to listen to me and get pissed they're, off. They're, they're gonna, yeah. yeah. <laughs> they're going to beat my ass. <laughs> they hear me talking shit. They're going to come in here and they don't, they don't care if I'm on the air. They'll kick the shit into me on the air. <laughs> Got the door locked. It's fine. Um, but yeah, no, it's, it is a, uh, it's, it's weird once you have the, well, you know this, Dave Martin, like once you have the kids, like the whole idea of having good taste or bad taste in music goes out the window. Yeah. I mean, I guess I was a little, uh, you know, like I, I played a lot of music for them. Um, but you know, I also encouraged them to listen to music and everything. I don't know how it's, uh, you know, I don't know if it worked at all. Um, <laughs> you know. Yeah, I try and slip it in, and then if they get it interested in it, I like, I I overload it and kill them with it. So I'm like, oh yeah, shit, that's yeah, okay. It's a real problem, like you know. Yeah. So yeah, they they just view me as like you know, you know, like they can they know how to wind me up and watch me go, and then they can just walk off and do whatever they want. <laughs> They're like, hey, let's listen to melancholy and infinite sadness again, Dad. <laughs> <laughs> See, no, actually, they'd be like, I don't know what that is. Oh, because, and, then, and then you feel like you did your job right. Yes, because at home, I've cultivated a life totally, totally free of that loser. <laughs> uh, you know, next week's guest on the podcast is Linda Ramone. And you know what she posted today? What she posted? A photo of her having lunch with Billy Corgan in her garden. Oh, that's too bad. So there you go. It all goes back to the bald Nosferatu. Yeah. Um, I met him one time and he was very nice. So I, I shouldn't talk shit. He, I went up to him and I said, I'm a big fan of your wrestling promotion. And yeah. Walked away. Yeah, I, I feel like there's not a lot of people that are big fans of his as a person. Yeah. No. Um, I think that's a common theme. But if he hadn't, like, fucked it up, they would be, you know, like, breathing that, I think, rarefied air that the Foo Fighters and Blink-182 breathe, where you're just kind of, like, accepted as being, like, oh, this is, like, the definitive rock band of the era. Because people fucking love them. When you talk to people... Oh, yeah, people do love them. There, it's, it's, yeah. I mean, it's a, oh, yeah. it's a real affliction that, that uh, is out there. Do you buy the conspiracy theory that they were always on the major label and that the Caroline thing was just to give them any indie credibility? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Okay, because I've heard that yeah. conspiracy theory. Yeah. Um, yeah, I love. I, I would love. I mean, Ca- Caroline Virgin owned Caroline. I know that's 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 yeah. what people say. So, um, you know, it could be true. It's so weird to think about that happening now. <laughs> I mean, obviously, you know, I, I would think that like, and maybe, maybe it was like, okay, you'll start on Caroline and, you know, if everything works out, you know, straight on to the, to the big leagues. Yeah. I know. guess that does happen. Like that was, that was actually like when David up was talking about that era, that was like the big move back then, right? Like to have the indie label that had some percentage owned by the major label and it was like yeah. the farm Get your team. cred. You could you you get to be on ferret first, and yeah, then you're yeah. then you're on your your major label. Oh yeah, ferret was definitely they that, had that. That deal, was right? the new. That, that was the label for that. Yeah, yeah. New ferret, Jersey ferret also put out the uh, you know uh, petition of the empty sky by converge. So that is a great label in my books too. Yeah, I mean, they, we we printed their shirts. Uh, that I want to sit worth. 
the dude's name like Carl or something like that. Um, yeah, he, you know, we weren't like friends or anything, but like I knew him around. I, I, uh, as a teenager, I dated a girl whose older sister dated him. Um, so I saw him around. As far but as you, funny, you never double dated or anything, right? Not really. I mean, where did you want to double so. date with your sister? No, no. The well, her and her sister were were, were tight or whatever. So, but still, I'm, like you I mean, know, more like, like more after like yeah, after a certain age, you're not hanging out with your younger brother or sister, really. Like to date with people. Well, I mean, it wasn't my brother. I mean, no, um, I know. I, yeah. As as far as funny weird side notes, I remember her giving me some. She probably won't listen to this. Uh, some kind of like trip at one point about like me being like younger because I think I was probably at that point sixteen and she was probably like nineteen. And then fast forward to when I'm working at CDT and she's dating John that was in the break and in purpose, and I am older than him. Um, so you know, three years down the line, her boyfriend is younger than I am. Um, Damn. Yeah, just really throwing some obscure New Jersey dirt out there. You got some Um, dirt. The dirt is flying on this episode. I named names in that one. (laughs) You named Um, names. (laughs) I'm going to be, I'm going through this fair catalog, and my God, did they do, like, (laughs) what are they doing? They picked, like, all the bands from this era that kind of, I remember, right? Like, or the bands that at least went on. Okay, so they do Converge. They did, it looks like they did one of everything, or just, like, one release from every band in metalcore at that point. Well, but like also like they, they wind up doing Dilger escape plan. They do every time I die, they do, uh, well, that's really about it. But kill switch, kill switch, engage disembodied, disembodied. Yo, how do you rate yeah. disembodied Dave? Do, no, I don't it, care about that stuff, but like, I, I that, that know good. it's a thing. That this from Autumn to Ashes is a band that like a, whose name I've seen a bunch, right? Yeah. What is that? Uh, like people, I can't even imagine listening to almost all of this stuff. The Bronx were on Ferret. I had no idea the Bronx were on Ferret. Um, um, burned by the Sun. Uh, burned by the uh, Zhao. <laughs> yeah. Then it just becomes like a just a everything. I mean, I I can name all these things like oh yeah, I I printed eight color shirts for a Static Lullaby. So I remember that one, but uh, misery, misery signals. Were they Canadian? I think they might have been. Madball was on Ferret Two at one point. Oh, they're from Milwaukee. Sorry, they had some sort of Canadian ripoff. Boys Night Out, like who are on this label, were from Canada, though. Okay. Well, How are they? Good, good guys. To hang out with. Uh I actually. <laughs> the only time I ever hung out with, I hung out with the lead singer, uh, Connor. When he was still straight edge, uh, Mike's girlfriend at the time, Lisa, and all her friends decided to throw a party for Connor's birthday. And, and he came over to the house, and it was like still the era where you'd have like a messenger bag with like silkscreen patches sewn on it. And, mm-hmm. and it was like, you know, political straight edge. And then like in, two years later, he was like a big rock star. Like, you know, they were like, they, they were big for a moment in Canada. They had a video on TV. Yeah, I mean, they were, I mean, all these bands, uh, you know, like, this kind of stuff was, was pretty big. And so yeah. I feel like when you, this is the kind of things that will come through and play a, a bigger venue than I've ever played on their, like, 
15 year reunion tour. Like this is the kind of stuff that I say, like you get a sitter and you go re- party like it's 2006. Yeah. Um, it was also weird because that's like something that just seems so of the era. Like, Oh, let's throw a, a random birthday party for this person. I don't think it was his birthday. Like it's one of those things that you do when you're like a, like a weird, like, <laughs> like weird teenager with like nothing to do, but just, be weird and so they decided to throw a random birthday party for someone and it probably isn't even their birthday but it was like super involved like it was like a whole day activity and we did it for this guy that i'd never met and that was the only time i met him ever i've never met him again since then so yes dave i did know him. so when you have his episode you can kind of blindside him like the davy havoc thing that's what i'm like, hoping uh, I, yeah like, you got yeah. Th- not spoiler for this week's episode with linda ramone <laughs> when i bring up the dinner she wasn't there when I bring up the dinner for her, it blows her mind a little bit, but then she does not remember me. So, <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah, it's funny. It's a good episode. There's some good stuff. We're back on track this week, Dave. I didn't need to lie about Asuk talk in the Linda yeah. Ramone episode. It comes up organically with Linda Ramone. Yeah, she brings it up. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> she brings up the din- the, the dinner that I met her at comes up. She's like, oh, do you remember this? No. All right, cool. Do you remember Asuk though? <laughs> yeah, yeah Asuk was sick, Linda. Oh, the Linda Ramon episode, United Mutation comes up. Oh, do you know wild. who they are? No, I don't. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's a third book picture, me asking about people about bands that they have no idea about. <laughs> no, I mean, because I think that's that's kind of how you, you – there's some like some back and forth where they're like, oh, yeah, you know this one? Yeah, you know this one? Yeah. Then you then you throw the like the 90-mile fastball at them. They're like, no, I don't know what yeah, you're talking about. Yeah, the knockout about. blow. <laughs> That's why, like, once in a while when I get someone who's just, like, ready to fucking go, I'm like, all mm-hmm. right, let's just ride this. Let's see how far we can take this thing, you know? But, you know, like, very rarely, they can't all be Kick Congo Powers and Robbie Brookside. No. Yeah. <laughs> no. When, well, yeah, I hope Robbie Brookside's doing well. Uh, Robbie's doing was great. It? Yeah, Robbie's yeah. doing... I, I was actually featured in a documentary about him that still hasn't come out, but um, where... One of the scenes is they actually bring his record collection over from England. I'm so excited for this fucking movie. I want to see like an unedited cut of just him going through records. Not his fanzines that were in a, a vacuum cleaner box that his mom threw away or whatever. That, no. That well, those are thrown away. Trying to, what? <laughs> those are thrown away now. Yeah. The zines are gone. But the the uh, he's got a lot of the tapes. He sold most of the original. Uh, we, we, listen to the Robbie Brookside episode. If you want to hear this whole story. Yeah. yeah. I have actually I had some mind-blowing wrestling people reach out recently that it's I hope they can I can bring these ones down. Like I have some people coming up on the show for wrestling that even you guys might be interested in hearing the conversations with. Not because right. of the wrestlers, but because of the worlds that they touch being like so close to our worlds and and stuff. There's I, I don't want to go into any more details to jinx it because I feel like Two of them are kind of wiggling off the line. They're getting cold feet, but oh my god, if I can bring these in. Whoosh, guys, the punk wrestling connection will be so strong in 2020. Well, you know, that's something for everyone to look forward to in this, this coming year. <laughs> Definitely. Something, some good news, finally. Yeah, I mean, we, we've lost a lot of drummers, but if we can if we can just really ying that yang with a lot more wrestlers on Turned Out of Punk, I think we'll all come together. I think my brother. I think if I book any more wrestlers on Turn Into Punk, might quit. <laughs> and that's that. You know, once again, seeing how the sausage is made. When 
when your brother kind of threw shade at the wrestling aspect of it, I was really tickled by that. Cause I didn't know that I, I found joy that he wasn't also no, all the, in on wrestling. No, the wrestling thing is me. Like I'm fighting <laughs> this battle solo. Like I really feel like I'm, I'm, I'm like, I got my back against the wall. Like, I don't even think the wrestlers believe in it. <laughs> like I'm the only one that believes in it, <laughs> but you know what? Like that's all you need, you know? Like Jesus, yeah, twelve apostles, and look how fucking big Christianity got. You know, just me, I could make this thing kind of big. You just need one. Yeah. If I if if the punk wrestling connection can be one twelfth as big as Christianity is, I'm fine. I'm fine with that. I mean, that's still pretty big. It's still pretty big. There's a lot of people, a lot more people than I have right now, I and mean, like you know, no one. <laughs> No one. <laughs> uh, guys, this has been a lot of fun. Uh, I, I, <laughs> I feel like this is what we should do all the time. Just come on here and just ramble for an hour. Yeah, I think that's what everyone comes here for. Yeah, oh yeah. A, a very loose premise that goes down the Zwan hole. The Zwan hole. <laughs> oh, stick it up the Zwan hole. That's how uh, the swan hole is the, the way that, to end this thing, I think. Yeah. Um, uh, thank you, everyone, for listening. Uh, once again, please, though, in all seriousness, uh, I know we got distracted and, and wound up making this into a, just like a general loose conversation, but uh, check out the Vinny Value GoFundMe page and, and our, rest in peace, of course, to Vinny Value and Reed Mullen. And thank you to both of them for their incredible contributions to this music. Man. Yeah, I couldn't say it better. And that's yeah. it. Anything else, guys? No, I've got nothing. All right. Well, that's it, everyone. We will see you on another episode. Oh, Linda Ramone, probably. <laughs>